I mentioned in the uh, midweek email, if you got that, that one of the things that my daughter and I have done for two or three years now is go for car drives. Um, and it usually is, uh, sometimes it's just a little text from her bedroom saying, car drive, question mark. And uh, so we will jump in the car uh, late afternoon, early evening, sometimes late at night. And we don't have anywhere to go in particular. We're just driving around uh, there in Novato. We might come down here to San Rafael, put a few miles on the car. Sometimes uh, we might have something big to talk about, but most of the time it's just kind of either quiet or just kind of small talk. But as you can imagine, just the, the, the real blessing is just in the being and, and hanging out. And in the, in the article that I wrote for, uh, for the email this week, I put, I, I've come to realize that a car drive cannot deepen my relationship with my daughter but a few hundred apparently can. Um, and I, I don't know that I can really even recall any that are more special than the others because they're all just kind of, we went on a car drive. Um, I want to say to you an application, um, thank you for being here. I don't know that a church service has the power to be this earth-shaking moment that will forever change your life, but a few hundred of them will because God is here. And I think he just wants to wants us to show up and to be. And he honors that faithfulness by entering into these spaces and little by little we experience just his transforming graces. And it's such a blessing. Um, I know uh, the same could be said as you're engaging throughout the week, as you open your Bible, as you pray, as you, uh, especially this summer, as you've maybe tried some new spiritual practices. I would love to say that each time you try those, it's going to be this, just this high point spiritually in your life. Um, but sometimes you walk away from it and just kind of go, well, okay, that was a car drive. <laughs> but again, after uh, several hundred of those, uh, it's just really cool to see how God, you kind of look back and go, wow, God was with me in that and some, some cool things taking place. So today is just going to be, um, we're going to get some windshield time with God. We're going to hang out um, in his presence, and it's not just uh, some uh, what can we learn today, but how can we really be, be changed by time uh, with God. So uh, the, on the back of your worship guide, it has Psalms uh, 19, 7 through 11. I printed that out there, and, uh, and I wanted to mention there are some questions below. So if you were here a couple of weeks ago, Dave and Kate um, led us through an exercise of meditating on her poem that she wrote. And I would say that there were some of you that probably really deeply connected with that. Um, poetry is your thing. You love that. And then there are others who it's, it's like a foreign language. It, it, you, you realize in the midst of a poem that you have to read this radically different uh, in, in a way that's different than you would the newspaper or even other uh, just genres of, of literature. So I was thinking specifically to poetry in the Bible. The Bible is full of poetry, uh, the Psalms being probably the largest collection of poems and songs, but we have other places in the Old and New Testament 
where Miriam breaks out in song, where Mary breaks out in song. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is probably a, a hymn that was sung by that early church. Um, even when Adam said, um, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. This was, it was like one of the first poems that, that we have recorded in scripture. But we read those different. And so just as, and this is like, this is, uh, this is like free bonus material on here, okay? The, uh, uh, what I have there for A and B, if, if you were to spend some time this week reading in the Psalms, and maybe poetry isn't your thing, as you, are, as you read a Psalm, these are some questions that you could ask that, that, uh, that would help you in kind of soaking that up a little bit to better understand, to put yourself in that, in that uh, story, in that what, it, what has taken place. Uh, for instance, what does this psalm tell me about how God's presence and activity connects with my deepest concerns in the midst of life's difficult or joyous circumstances? Because that's what, the, that's what these poets are sharing with us. They're sharing about this really deep, heavy, difficult moment, or maybe this euphoric high moment that they had. Um, another question you could ask is, what does this psalm tell me about how I should pray and express my heart's desires to God? Is there some way in particular that that, that song or that poem is, is expressing what you could express in your heart? And then I think this is important too. Is the poet just emoting about life and his or her feelings? Or is there also uh, in the integration of emotions alongside truths with God? Sometimes you'll read something and you're like, is that, is that right? But if it's said out of, passion. Sometimes you have to just kind of recognize the heart with which it is said. And so there are times uh, when maybe some of those questions could help you. So I want to just encourage you this week to spend some time in the Psalms. Um, you can't necessarily apply those questions to like one verse, but to the Psalm as a whole as you go through it. Uh, we're going to spend some time in Psalm 19. Uh, we're not going to go through those questions in particular, but we do want to take some time to chew on this psalm together. Again, reaching back a week or two ago, we handed out some gum, and uh, the, the analogy that we made was that the longer you chew on gum, it kind of loses its flavor, but the longer you chew on God's word, the more the God flavors are going to come to the surface, the more you're going um, to receive from it. So we're going to take some time just to chew on some of these, these scripture verses and uh, there'll be a, a couple of moments here where you'll be able to circle up, say hey to some people around you, and, and answer some questions. Uh, just no, uh, real simple questions. There's no necessarily right or wrong, and, and you always have the option of just kind of tapping out and saying, hey, I'm, I'm in the circle, but don't ask me to say anything, okay? Um, you also have the right, if you're one of those people in the circle who normally dominates the conversation, you also have the right to let somebody else talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, let me, uh, let me uh, have you discuss this question as a group. I want you to, and it could be a group of two, it could be a group of 20, okay? However you want to turn your chairs around. And, and we also want to say welcome to those that are in the VIP section here, the padded green chairs. 
Yeah, if anybody wants to move to the VIP section, as Jonathan has named it, you're welcome to. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Turn, introduce yourself to some, some people around you and briefly mention some of the California laws of driving that you obeyed on your way to church today. What were some California laws of driving that you obeyed on your way to church today? All right. See how many you can come up with. All right. Lucas, if you rode with your dad, there better be a long list of California laws that you... (laughs) All right. All right. After this discussion, some of you may be glad that you did not ride with the person next to you to to church. I don't know. So... um, how about the very back table? What? Give me a. Give me a. Give me one or two. Y- yes. <laughs> a law that you obeyed. Yes. Pa- passing on the left. Okay. Stoplights. Those are good. That's good. Seat belts, yeah, okay. There we go. Use your turn signal. Way to go, all right. Okay, yeah, your car is registered with current, with the current sticker. Oh, okay, you had your license with you. There was no open container. Yes. Low bar. Very low bar. Yes. Thank you for closing those containers back up as you took off. Yeah. Stayed between the lines. Okay. Maybe you've got one of those cars that helps you to do that. All right. So there's, so here's kind of, there's a lot of laws that go with driving a car so let me let me ask you by obeying those laws were you able to enjoy your trip more or less by obeying those less (laughs) cat either enjoyed it less or now she's able to remember it which is a good thing too yeah so So what we're going to do, we're going to look at this passage of scripture and the first way that it describes God's word, it uses the word law. So I want us to kind of keep this discussion in mind because can we acknowledge whether whether you're a churchgoer or not, people probably associate laws, a lot of laws with following God. So I want us to kind of think through this, and, uh, and then I'm going to ask you a question for, uh, we'll get, get some more feedback from you. So follow along with me as I read this, uh, Psalm 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. 
The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. And then the psalmist adds, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. In other words, these laws are valuable. And then he says, um, they are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. So they're not only valuable, but they're actually desirable. By them, your servant is warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. So here's what I want you to think about, and I'd like to hear from, I don't know, two or three of you, how you would answer this. Does following the truths in Scripture ruin your life or free you up to better enjoy life? Now, I know how you might answer that, but let's say someone you know uh, from work who does not have any kind of a church background, anything like that, they pose that question to you. So following all those rules, following the truths that you talk about in the Bible, does that ruin your journey through life or does that free you to better enjoy the journey and why? We have Jonathan with a mic, so I, I want to make sure that whatever it is that's said. Okay, Sue? Hold on just a second. We'll get the, the mic to you. Thank you. I've heard it likened to a ship sailing that if there is no destination and no course charted, mm -hmm. then no destination is ever reached. One just floats about and yeah. ends up wherever the wind blows. Mm -hmm. So maybe the freeing is in other areas. I mean, we know where we're going. Great. Yeah. We have somewhere to go. Very good. Awesome. For me, the rules allow me to um, enjoy life without pitfalls or as many pitfalls. Hmm. Most of the rules I look at are things that if I don't follow them, I will go down a road that will cause pain for myself mm -hmm. or others. And this way I can trust somebody who knows hmm. what I might experience if I go down those roads. Yeah. Um, even if I think they're pleasurable in the beginning, in the end I usually look back and have significant regret. <laughs> and yeah. that to me is more painful than not experience the experience itself. That yeah. might be better. Yeah. And so that's how I kind of view it. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. It, trust is a big word on that. Yeah, because sometimes you feel like exceeding the speed limit. <laughs> but can you trust that what is suggested for this stretch of road, this stretch of your life, this would be better for you and the people around you? Yeah, trust is huge. Yeah, one more. Jamie. All right, I'll just say it. God ruins my life. And, <laughs> and there's like... It hurts. It feels like a death. Mm. And the hope is there must be something on the other side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. There are. Um, it, I think it was John Ortberg that said, um, if, <laughs> if you're not enjoying sin, you're doing it wrong. Um, there, is, there is an aspect of doing things our way that, that is enjoyable for a season. And um, as, we, as we trust, we realize that it, God has the, the, the long term in mind, 
Um, there are some things, though. Um, how did you? What what phrase did you use? He's he ruined your life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the yes, and so what Jesus modeled for us, um, and we see this all throughout Scripture is death always precedes life. Death precedes a resurrection. Um, the the crushing and the pressing <laughs> precedes the new wine. So there are these, um, we don't like the word rules and laws, um, but there is a way that a very loving God has invited us to live that is very good. In fact, it uses the word, um, it, it says in verse 11, that there is great reward in living this way that God has invited us to live. And so, does it free you to better enjoy the journey and why? And I think that's a good question for each of us to ponder because we are basically, um, all throughout the day, we're tempted to push against that. We're, we are tempted to um, kind of take things about as far as we can and see how much of this that we can enjoy, take desire as long and as far as we can to enjoy a temptation before temptation tips into what would be considered sin? What if instead of looking at living on that edge, what if we pulled back and saw all the freedom and all the space that God has for us? And this, this section is a very uh, poetic description of this beautiful life that God invites us into. And so um, if you have a, a pen or a pencil, or this is when you get to prick your finger, um, I would like for you to, um, in those first few verses, there are kind of six ways that the law, and sometimes it's the, the law is referred to as precepts, or um, uh, what are some of the, now I'm drawing a blank, commands and things like that. Um, they're kind of evaluated and assessed um, in six different ways. The first one is perfect. I want you to just circle, if you got a pen, circle the... Uh, the six evaluations of the law. The first one is perfect. See if you can find the other ones. The law of the Lord is perfect. The statutes of the Lord are, the precepts of the Lord are, the commands of the Lord are. So those are the things filling in those blanks. If you want to write, let me kind of uh, kind of give a very brief description of these. And depending on what translation of the Bible you're reading, it may be this word for word, like what we have printed here. But let me uh, kind of give you a fuller understanding of it. This is kind of our way of chewing on Scripture for just a, a few moments here. Um, for the word, uh, so what you um, what you should have circled are words like perfect, trustworthy, right, radiant pure, and firm. Um, now I want you to underline the results, the fruit, the rewards of adhering to the law. So the first one is refreshing the soul. What are some of the rewards? What are the things that you get from driving the way that God wants you to drive through life?
right, you probably underline things like refreshing the soul, making wise the simple, giving joy to the heart, giving light to the eyes, enduring forever, and altogether righteous. So let me go back and kind of uh, expound on those just a little bit. And if you want to write these kind of small definitions next to them, um, this might help you get a fuller understanding of, of what's being offered here. The law of the Lord is perfect. Um, it's complete and it lacks nothing. Complete and lacks nothing. Refreshing the soul. That means it gives your life back. It refreshes all of life, restores all of life. It gives you your life back. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. In other words, they're reliable. I think that goes to uh, what Doc Deb was saying. There's a, you can trust that what God is saying is reliable. Uh, making wise the simple, and he gives wisdom to the inexperienced. That's another way of, of thinking of that. The precepts of the Lord are right, fair, straight, and level. Giving joy to the heart. In other words, it brings joyful satisfaction. I think of that, you know, there are some foods that satisfy for just a really short amount of time, and then you find yourself hungry again right away. And then there are some that have a, a, a higher uh, satiate, satiating component to it that helps you feel fuller longer. And that's the, the picture that comes to mind there. Um, brings joyful satisfaction. The commands of the Lord are radiant. Think like clear, like a radiant diamond way you could think of that giving light to the eyes that's talking about giving insights to life one of the rewards are insights into life the fear of the lord is pure uh, it's clean and not just on the outside but morally clean on the inside as well enduring forever um, remain standing permanently is another way to translate that. Isn't that beautiful? Remain standing permanently. The decrees of the Lord are firm. They're stable and steadfast. And all of them are righteous. In other words, they're vindicated. They're absolutely made right. Now, the reason I go through those it's not just so we can see the rewards of Scripture, but um, the Bible as a whole is the story of God. And we're going to take some time this fall to dive into this, to kind of see how um, there's just a, a common story arc that we see from Genesis to Revelation. We're not going to read all of it on Sunday. Uh, we're not going to cover every little thing, but what we'll, what we'll do over a series of Sundays is we will be able to see what this big story of God is really about. And then we're going to be offering, um, in addition to it, later on, uh, on Sunday, an opportunity. Uh, Dave will kind of guide us into some, more, uh, some deeper and more personal discussions based upon that story of God that we have in the Bible. Well, one of the first things that we're going to talk about um, that I'll be talking about at least is this, the, the story of the Bible 
It's not about us. It's about God. In fact, Jesus is the hero of the story. It's, it's a story that's given to us, but it's not about us. And that's important as we, as we go to the Bible, that we realize that in many ways, everything in Scripture somehow has, it, it points to Jesus. Even before Jesus was named in the story, there are, there are very clearly things that are pointing us to Jesus. And this passage is one of those that I, the more I chewed on it, the more I saw Jesus in it. Jesus is described as uh, the living word. Um, he is, uh, he said, I did not come to do away with the law, but to what? To fulfill it. And so we've just looked at the law, and what I want us to see is how Jesus is the fulfillment of this. This describes the life of Jesus as he walked this earth. Jesus himself is the revealed law of God, the revealed word of God. He is the embodiment of God's law. He is the word made flesh. And I want us to just kind of revel in the beauty of how this describes Jesus. He is perfect, complete, and lacks nothing. He is trustworthy and reliable. Jesus is right, fair, and straight, and level. He is radiant and clear. He is pure and clean. He is firm, stable, and steadfast. That is who he is. Now I want us to think about as we entrust ourselves to him, what are the rewards of giving ourselves fully to Jesus? Again, drawing from this passage, we find that our souls are refreshed. He restores all of life. He gives us our life back. He makes wise the simple. He gives wisdom to even the most simple and inexperienced of us. He gives joy to the heart. He brings joyful satisfaction. He gives light to the eyes. He gives insights to life. He lights your way forward. He is a light on your path. He endures forever. Um, we have an opportunity because of Christ to endure forever. Picture it this way, to remain standing permanently. I spent a little bit of time thinking about this, and there's a little uh, movie you may have heard called Star Wars. Um, and in The Last Jedi, there's a scene where Kylo Ren is up in one of those, uh, I don't know which, uh, big, I don't know, it's got a lot of guns, and um, <laughs> Luke walks out, and Kylo Ren, just furious, he says, I want every gun we have to fire on that man, and this scene was just, uh, just all the, the lasers and the explosions, and just, it just great 
huge clouds of dust and debris. And then finally, I think it's General Hux that kind of is like, okay, this has gone on way too long. And he goes, you think you got him? <laughs> and as the dust and debris begin to settle, what happens? Luke is still standing. In fact, as he kind of emerges from all the dust, yeah, he goes, I bet some of you have a story where life just bombarded you with so much, but because of Jesus, you're still standing. This is a reward for choosing him, for following him. And the ultimate reward, altogether righteous, on the last day when we stand before God, He will see us through the lens of Jesus, and we are absolutely made right and vindicated by his sacrifice on the cross. As we give ourselves to him, there is great reward for us. I want us to um, let that sink in a little bit as we prepare to come to the table. Jesus said to remember him. And through just real common elements of bread and wine, um, he talked about to his closest friends, he said, these represent my body that's given for you, my blood that is shed for you, and the rewards that come from receiving these. And so as we remember him, um, what specific aspect of Jesus stands out to you from this list that we were looking at? Is there one in particular that you would like to hold in the forefront of your thoughts as you, in just a few moments, approach the table? Remember, Jesus is perfect, complete, lacking nothing. He is trustworthy, reliable. He's right and fair and straight and level. He's radiant. He's pure. He's clean. He's firm, stable, and steadfast. One of those attributes, just hold on to that. What stands out to you? What is one that you can remember maybe from this last week that has been important for you? What is maybe at a key time in your life a way that you were by God's grace able to encounter Jesus in that way? Let's hold on to that.